0: Hi everybody. My name is Eddie McDaniel and this is a high note podcast. How
1: you doing? Eddie? I'm good. Good, man. It's uh, good I'm to good, see you.
0: man. I'm glad, glad to come up.
1: Uh, it's uh it's January, so you've had a, a long season before. A long uh, season. And now we now we're back to where I can actually sit down and have a conversation with you and um uh, and for everybody, uh, I'm, my name is Jesse Hill. This is the Hot Note Podcast. Uh, Hank is not with us today, and he might pop in later. We'll see. But if not, uh, we miss you, Hank. I've grew up knowing Eddie, his name, everything that he's done. Um, my dad was a big fan of yours because uh, my dad was a local musician. And, and I was a big fan of his, too. I appreciate too. <laughs> it, yeah. And, uh, and so just getting to sit down with you and talk to you, I, I, music-wise, I really want to dive in your inspirations and where you got started uh, was it a younger age? Was it later in life? Um, and just give me your story of what got you into music. Well, I was born in San Diego, California.
0: All my relatives lived in South Georgia, a little town called Manchester. And uh, my dad was military, and he took my mom, and he took me, and dropped us off at my grandmother's house grandmother and grandfather. Well, you know, my mother decided that she, um, she didn't want a two-year-old at that particular moment. (laughs) So she, uh, she left and she never came back. And, uh, my grandmother raised me till I was uh, almost 13, grandmother, grandfather. And then, uh, my dad remarried. He's military. He married a Canadian Navy woman and, uh. He decided well, you know, he had to have his son come live with him, you know, and I was almost I was pretty much set in my ways at that particular moment. And uh the whole time I was growing up under the bed, I'll never forget. He had a Gibson 335 guitar under that bed, and I loved that guitar. And he'd kill me if he knew what I put that guitar through, you know. Cuz I only seen him about every 3 or 4 years when he'd come home on leave. So I didn't know him. I didn't know him at all. And then one day he comes and says, well, I'm remarried now and you're going to have to go with us and we're going to California. So we went to Alameda, California and it was the worst experience of my life. Absolutely the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. I fought every day because I had a Southern accent and the kids called me Colonel Sanders. Mm. And right beside our apartment building, was the school that I went to, and there was a 16-foot chain-link fence right outside my bedroom window, and to get to school so I wouldn't have to deal with them kids, I would climb that fence every morning to go into the schoolyard. I'd jump out my window, hang on to the fence, climb up over that 16-foot fence and down into the schoolyard. Well, I knew I'd be safe, but it didn't take them long to figure that out, and then they started hanging around out there by my bedroom window waiting on me. But if if I saw them out there, then I'd go around the front, you know. But there was a kid that that I knew there that we didn't particularly like each other, but he played guitar. And I was so intrigued by that. I wanted to do that so bad. He only played like a couple of little riffs, you know. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to do that. So we moved to Washington State. a state up there. I don't know, went to school up there four or five years. And then we moved to Mississippi. Well, Mississippi was like home to me. I mean, I I never realized why I really liked Mississippi because I always told everybody I had no relatives here. But my great-great-grandfather's buried at Beauvoir. Ah. And uh, all my relatives live in North Mississippi uh, on the Trammell side. And uh, anyway, so I joined the Navy here. And uh, that's that's a that's a kind of an intriguing story. My dad didn't know that I was in the navy, and he was in the navy, and he was in Vietnam. So I just got out of boot camp, and they put me, they stationed me in Guffport. Wow! I was I was right at home. Mm-hmm. I'm standing there in detention, and here comes my dad. My dad walks by. He turns around. He comes back. He goes, "What in the world are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm in the navy." sir (laughs) (laughs) and uh he said uh he said man that's something he said uh well you gonna be stationed i said i guess the 20th for now till i get my orders well as it turned out he was my boss in the navy for three years wow i cleaned every toilet the navy had you know how that goes you know he didn't want to show no favoritism Mm -hmm. so anyway um I uh, As time went on, I got out of the military. Just at the time that I got out of the military, while I was in the Navy, I had a guy named Dudley McFalls, and Dudley was a super picker. And Dudley needed somebody to play rhythm so he could play lead in practice. So he taught me how to play rhythm, you know, uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, he taught me how to do that, and I learned very well how to do that. And so, uh, first one thing led to another, and uh, then I started accompanying myself singing because I've always been a singer as long as i ever could remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, when I got out of the when I got out of the, I was just getting ready to get out of the Navy. I had a I had a band, you know, and uh, we auditioned for that Wrangler Star Search. Okay, it was called Wrangler Ace Hardware Country Star Search, 1979, 1980, One of the first ones that that they had. Well, I won all the locals. It was about four or five of them. And then I won the regional. And then I won the state. And then we come back and placed in the national. Didn't win, but we placed. And uh, it was like third place or something like hey, that. Hey,
1: man, that's still pretty dang good. <laughs>
0: but I got to go to Disney World, and I stayed down there. I stayed down there a couple of years and uh, just playing music. And then I came back and started buying nightclubs.
1: No, you you said you played at Disney World. What part of Disney World, just in the in – the... Was it like the uh park itself it was, or was it?
0: They have they have little afternoon bars. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was like Backwater Bay. Gotcha. And you know, I'm just up there doing Jimmy Buffett tunes and stuff like that, you know. Gotcha. And that really that really started my my music career, so to speak. And uh, you know, knowing those chords and knowing the songs. Mm-hmm. But how I how I learned all those songs was uh when I the day I got out of the navy I went down to Stevens Hot Groceries to have a getting out of the Navy party with my friends. And uh, Steve Stevens was in there, and uh, George Mills was playing. I love George. I've been friends with George for 50 years. But uh, George was playing, and we were all sitting back there in the back room, and one of the guys got the laughing because every song that George sang, when he would sing, it sounded like the – cowardly lion on the wizard of Oz he did that at the end of everything he did (laughs) so we got to laughing about it
1: (laughs) so uh oh gosh
0: so uh that's not to take anything away from George because George is, is a wonderful wonderful phenomenal musician and I love him dearly but uh we got finished and uh he got. He was taking a break, and George came back there because we were like the only ones in the building, you know. There was like six or eight of us. And George, he'd come back there to see what was going on while we were laughing and cutting up like that. You know, he wanted to be part of it. And one of the guys said, man, you need to let this guy sing. I said, you got to be crazy. You only know <laughs> three songs, you know. This was before I really got started playing. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, no. Uh, George said, yeah, man, come on. If you play, come on. He said, because I get paid either way. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter to me. He said, use my guitar. So I went up there, and I played the three songs that I knew. And, uh, of course, my guys were, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, they were they were lapping it up, you know. So when I finished, Steve Stevens come back there, and he said, man, you want a job? I'm thinking, well, I'm getting out of the Navy. I'm fixing to draw $235 unemployment. I said, what you got I can do? He said, play music. <laughs> I said, play music. Are you kidding me? He said, no, I'm serious. He said, I like what you do. I said, I don't know any songs. He said, well, we got a jukebox. He said, you got a tape recorder? I said, yeah. He said, well, come on down and record some songs off the jukebox and, and learn them. So I thought, I said, how much you pay me? He said, I pay you $50 a night. I said, that's another $100. Friday and Saturday? He said, "Yep." Yeah. I said, that's another 100 on top of what I be making. So I got one of bell and howl and flat little cassette recorders mm-hmm. and a pocket full of quarters, and I went down there on a Sunday morning. Amen. I yeah, and I recorded every song off that jukebox I thought I could learn. Wow. So I went home and took my typewriter. That was back during typewriter days for computers, and uh, I started with Bob Seger "Against the Wind" because that was in the B's and that was mm-hmm. the first song, and I, I typed the words and. What I would do is, if if the word held out, I would put little lines underneath it, you know, to to hold it out, like, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd go back with a pencil, and I would make my own music notes because I didn't read music, but I understood what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then I would go back, and I would learn the chords. And then, by the weekend, I had 30 songs. And I knew them all because I had... Rehearsed them over and over and over and over and over. I'd played them so much, and I knew them, you know. So I went back down there that weekend, and I was playing. Well, here comes a guy that uh, sets in and wants to play wants to play a guitar with me. His name's Arnold Graham. So Arnold came down there. Arnold wouldn't face the crowd. He'd stand there with his back to the crowd, mm-hmm. and, and he'd play his guitar with me, you know. So... I stayed there like that. I don't know, a couple of weekends. Another guy showed up named Pat Skadowski. And Pat sang harmony and played lead, acoustic lead. So Eddie and Pat for, I don't know, six, eight months. I stayed there. And then I had a chance to go to Texas. I, I took a friend of mine to Texas, and uh, I was at a club one night, and I saw a guy playing guitar and kicking bass pedals. With a drum machine, oh, I had to have that. So I got with him, and we became friends. and And he showed me what he was doing. And I'm so I was in the music store one day, and a brand just had "Come out of the box, a brand new set of MIDI pedals, bass pedals." Wow. Ah. okay.
1: Was this and what year was this? Was this like when MIDI was kind of emerging?
0: When MIDI first came out. Gotcha. And I didn't know what the pedals did at that time, but they made a boom, 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 boom. So I'd hit a C and I'd go, digga, 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 you know, <laughs> on my guitar, you know, until I pretty soon, it took me about two or three weeks, but I was kicking both feet and I'd get a bar stool just high enough my feet could touch the pedals. Had a drum machine. So I went back on all my songs and I wrote the tempo down from the drum machine. So that way, when I'd go to Bob Seger against the wind, I know it was tempo 95, mm-hmm. and it was this this one this country beat. One, two, three, and I'd hit the start pedal on the on the uh, drum machine, and then I hit the first bass note G on the against the wind, and I here I went, man, and and I did that for a long time, and then I started experimenting. I started uh, oh right about that time. I was either going to go back in the Navy or the star search thing. So I decided not to go back in the Navy. I decided to go ahead and pursue my music thing, which music has made me a good living for a long, long time. And and when I went to Disney World, since I was playing by myself, I got used to playing with bass guitar and drums on tracks. So that's when I left. when I left down there. That's what I continued to use. I didn't have to kick pedals anymore because the bass was already on the, on the track. And that, and and I had all kinds of machines. I had players and I had, I had iPods and I had iPads. And when they first came out, you Mm -hmm. know, I was playing with everything until the laptop came out and I integrated it all into the laptop. And that's what I still do today. I still do the laptop. And then Katrina came, Katrina wiped me out. And, uh, I had a friend of mine that gave me a hard drive, Wallace Baker. I'll never forget him. He, uh, he come to my house one day and he said, I understand you, you've you lost everything. I said, yeah, pretty much did. I had uh, seven foot of water in my house on the beach down there. Wow. Yep.
1: What part of the beach? Where, where were you at?
0: I live right there, uh, where, uh, Southern Circle, Mockingbird Lane.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: And uh, I, I'm second house up. I was 800 feet from 90. So uh the water just came up and uh it uh, it it got everything. Even stuff that I had I put all my guitars and everything up on the second floor. So I never got water to the second floor, but it, it destroyed everything on the first floor and all my equipment was in my van. Yeah. And my van actually lifted up and moved up over all kind of stuff. So I had to jack the van up, get stuff out money to get my van out, you know. My Both my children were born, uh, See, Samantha's 41, and Jennifer is 38, and she, uh, both of them birthdays in December, so about 1985, I guess it was, we'd have big parties there, because I lived there on the beach, and we're and the mall at that time was the only thing, place to go. The wife said, you know, you don't dress up like Santa Claus, you know, you got a beard, and we'll spray paint it white, you know, you got a beard. And, and you can give the kids their goodie bags, you know, and maybe ask what they want for Christmas, stuff like that. So that's what I did. And now I'm doing their children's children's children. <laughs> so that's how long I've been doing it. But my wife worked at the Beau rivage She's in a meeting one day. And uh, this was right after the Beau was built. They said they were going to do a Christmas in July. So... I had I wanted to do the best I could any time I do anything. I want to do the best that I can. So I had a suit made like I thought I would really like and other people would like to see. She sent me to the boat to meet that guy. And the guy said, yeah, you'll do. You're fine. You know, I like your suit and everything. I want to uh... – you're not going to take very many pictures because these are all older people, and they're not going to care that much about Santa Claus. We took 1,800 pictures. <laughs> After that, I was I was in with the bow. Yeah. And uh, I've been there 22 years. Wow. At Santa and, Claus.
1: And you you do it right, too. Like, you know, the Gulf Coast, I mean, I don't know if you know this. I'm sure I mean, everybody that listens is going to agree with me. You have become, like, the official Santa Claus of, in my opinion, the Gulf South region. Like, nobody touches. I mean, and you went that extra mile with – a custom-made costume and uh you know everything that you do and then i've seen you actually i've had the privilege to see you go to do different private house parties and it's not like you just sit there and take pictures with kids you sit there you, you read to them oh they're you, my audience yeah you <laughs> sing to them because they're your audience and then the, the parents are the audience of their children enjoying that's the fact. magic of christmas so
0: uh when i leave a house my phone starts ringing When can i get you next oh, yeah. year year after next yeah cuz i'm already booked next year
1: well i know i know my sister she every time she's she you have to book you yeah. know a, a year maybe even two in advance like yeah. i was looking at your schedule this past december and you were showing me your your, your i call them gigs but you're, I, I, you right. still call them gigs if yeah. it's yeah. yeah i looked at your gigs uh and you were almost full and i was like wow that's yeah. a that's a good problem to have.
0: It's a good problem. And every time I see a baby I think, ah, uh, <laughs> you know, job
1: security. <laughs> there you go. And uh that's funny. That's funny. Um now music wise, uh who would you say I always ask people like who's your inspiration a lot? People say the Beatles, Beach Boys, uh,
0: Eric Clapton was my Eric inspiration, BB King. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like the BB King stuff, even though I don't play a whole lot of it. My influence on my on my guitar playing it comes from BB.
1: Did you ever see him live?
0: I did. Matter of fact, I booked him when I was working at Treasure Bay. Oh wow! I booked him for the Blues Fest. I booked him. I booked Kenny Wayne Shepherd on his 18th birthday. Oh gosh! So that's how long ago that was because he's. I don't think he's about 30 now.
1: And that's the ship. That's the Treasure Bay ship days.
0: That's ship days. That's right. Uh, yep. For
1: my time, I always every. I was a kid, and every time we drive by, I was like, "Oh, look at the pirate ship." Uh huh. Yep. it was, it was well, gone for. I did step to foot
0: Treasure Bay before that pirate ship was ever moved over. Wow. And I did I did some things on the ship for the bar that I had to trade beer for to get them to do it because they wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, uh, One of them was I found out where the sound booth was going to be, and I, I asked them to drill a hole under the sound booth for an audio cable. Mm. Well, they didn't want to do it. So I gave one of the guys, one of the workers, a case of beer. And he drilled me a hole, and then he drilled one up behind the stage. And they couldn't figure out what I wanted that for. well, the first night we opened, the guy in a wheelchair came over with his chair and he dumped it he tried to go over the go over the cable mm-hmm. that was laying on the floor, and he almost fell out of his chair. Well, the next morning they called me want to know how they going to hide that cable. No problem i already got it I already got it fixed yeah uh, you know half a day later, we had an audio cable run under the floor. That's awesome because. I'd had the foresight to, to see that, you know, uh, doing that my whole life. Yeah. And, uh, it worked, it worked phenomenally after that. I mean, it was, uh, it was a good thing. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed treasure Bay.
1: You know, my, uh, my great uncle actually built that building. Uh, it used to be the Sheridan and his name was F.R. Kimbrough. There used to be a big painting. And my dad always told Roll me the that. the Yeah. And, uh, and and so it was a Sheridan, I think. Maybe that's what it was. It was it, whatever it was, he, he built it because he had a um, commercial building. That's what he did that's in Jackson. Cool. That's and so every time cool. I passed there, I'm like, oh, you know, but I, did, I never really got to meet him. It was pa- way past my time or way before my time, sorry. So you worked at Treasure Bay. And then when did you, When were you? what year would you say you were a full time musician? And this is all you do?
0: After Katrina. After Katrina. Yeah, after Katrina, I decided I wasn't going to go back to them cutthroat casinos. Because when you have a job at a casino, everybody wants it. You've got a job (laughs) like entertainment director. It's an endless supply of people coming in wanting to take your job. And let me tell you, I lost my job at Treasure Bay because of a guy named David. So David calls my boss, and he says, look. He said, if you'll pay me the same thing that you're paying Eddie, I have a degree in marketing. I'll come over, and I will be your marketing director, plus I'll hire entertainment. That'll save you that much money, okay? So they say, okay, we'll do that. So Monday and Tuesday are my days off, okay, at Treasure Bay. So I'm on the Glen, what's that boat, that sailboat? The Seal, uh, uh, what's the name of that that sailboat right there at the Biloxi Yacht Club?
1: Well, the schooner, isn't it? Schooner. Okay, yeah, schooner.
0: Yeah, I'm on the schooner, and I'm fixing to play music. I'm fixing to hit the first note. And my phone rings. I look. It's my boss at Treasure Bay. Barbara says, "You didn't show up for the marketing meeting this morning." I said, "There was no marketing meeting." She said, "Yeah, we called an emergency marketing meeting." I said, "What did y'all discuss?" She said, "Well, it's not it's it's not nothing you're concerned about. Now you're not a team player, so we're gonna let you go." Wow. I didn't know about David. I didn't know anything about. It. He had come down there and made the offer. So they get on the phone after she fires me. She calls David. She says, okay, you got the job. He immediately gets on the phone, calls his boss and said, they're going to give me this much money to move me over to Treasure Bay. Do you want to match it? They said, yeah, we'll match it. We'll keep you.
1: Well, he's leveraging each other.
0: So he was leveraging. I lost my job, and he stays where he was. And to this day, to this day, he won't hire me to play music over there. He will not. He won't have nothing to do with me.
1: Oh, man. I, and I hate to hear stuff and it happens all the time. I hate to hear that particular story. Cause you're, I know you and you're a great guy. And, uh, I just know the casinos. My dad got laid off from Boderbox three times because, of it was nine eleven, 11. And then I believe Katrina and then 08 <laughs> hit. So it was, and it was never fired. He was just laid off. Cause I know. they oh, see, God. they see it as a number. And it's somebody from Vegas saying, Hey, we got to, you know, let this person, let, let this position go. And, I'm it, it's cutthroat, and it's sometimes, you know, I, I hate to I hate to see people go through, you know, that kind of thing. Well, they so, take care of me at the
0: boat, of yeah, course. Oh, but,
1: what I'm, what I'm saying, they take care of me at Pearl, so it's not all casinos, but what we're saying is th- that's after Katrina and that happened, I mean, you're now a full-time musician. You're just like, you know what? I'm, I'm clocking out, and I'm going to work for myself, and are you glad that you went that route?
0: Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah. But I, you know, over the period of years, I've learned so many thousands of songs that I could play a fifties and sixties week, a seventies and eighties week, you know, uh, a country week, <laughs> you know, not day or hour, but week, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, just in my experiences traveling around, I was at Pigeon Forge for a couple of years, uh, playing up in Gatlinburg, you know, uh,
1: See, you're, you're naming places that I literally love going to, like Disney World, love going to Disney World, Pigeon Forge, uh, Titanic Museum, all those places. Well, I
0: played Silver Dollar City, and I was laid off when Dolly bought it. Gotcha. It was the end of the season. I was packing up, had all my stuff in my camper, went out there. Dolly was out there with the golden shovel digging, you know, so I got to see her. And, you know, I will tell you something. I have never seen. I've seen a lot of stars cause I've been on, I've been on Grand Ole Opry a couple of times.
1: Wow. Yeah. So I, if you I haven't even heard of that, we're going to get into that, but go ahead. We well, that was, stars. that
0: was uh, for the star search. Gotcha. So we got to go, we got to perform on the Grand Ole Opry for the star search. And then I went back for, you could be a star. And I won three weeks on, you could be a star. And then there was a new band that's coming out. And, uh, I think it was all planned, but it was okay because the guy that beat me I respect. The guy that beat me this the last week was Sawyer Brown. Wow. huh. I'd won all the all the weeks except the last one. And so I had maybe five songs that I'd written. He had a portfolio that thick of songs that he had written. And you've heard a lot of those songs. I bet I have. Yes, you have. You know, he had more number ones than Garth Brooks. He sure did. Wow. <laughs> yes he did and uh so i i wouldn't you know i felt like i was in good company losing you know
1: yeah if you're gonna lose somebody i mean might
0: as well lose somebody like that exactly exactly and and i didn't i didn't mind and uh but that was every time i ever went to nashville i was invited and then you know believe it or not the star search the star search thing i tried to get video i tried to get information about it but you know the, the people that, that did the star search thing, they lost they lost the building. All the audio, video, they lost everything, either the fire or flood. I don't remember back in the mid eighties they had that big flood and lost everything. Wow. so there's no information about any of that. Mm. The only thing way I could prove that I was ever there is I have a ticket stub that my paw in law bought <laughs> to get in the building. <laughs> And it's not online anywhere. I can't find anything about it. I I had about that much in the newspaper when I won the state. It said, local winner, Eddie McDaniel wins state competition for Wrangler Star
1: Search. That was it. It was just a little bitty space. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you're you're talking about playing at those, how hard is it to get uh, like a regular gig at one of those – parks you know is is it something that you walk up to and say hey i can sing or do they find you or how does it's, that work it's all
0: uh it's all contract labor from somebody else gotcha in other words all the entertainment comes through another entity and i i uh i went through scorman ted ted scorman did
1: you have to try out for something like that or is uh, it something no, that he just
0: he'd heard me he knew me he gotcha you know and he just said you, you want to play i said yeah i do so he put me down there you know awesome and i he put me a couple of other places like uh down at uh there's a place uh crystal river there's a couple of bars down there that he put me down there that i really liked you know the hard part the hard part with me is everybody like in ocean springs they want coffee house mm-hmm. i played coffee house for years i, I just didn't want to play coffee house anymore yeah, you know, while you sit down there and play guitar and entertain yourself and, and just play, you know, and you know that's what Ocean Springs likes, but, but the tracks sound like a whole band. They're not interested, and it's it's tough uh, sometimes, uh, but like the yacht clubs, they love me because I'm a dance band. I play dance music. Mm-hmm. I want them to dance, you know, so. When I get them on the floor, I keep them on the floor.
1: There you go. Now, do you prefer being, so when you said the coffee house, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it, do you prefer singing while there's like an atmosphere and people are talking? Or would you do you, do you like being like, glory bound, there's a show? What do you prefer as a, as an artist? A little bit of both.
0: A little bit of both. Uh, I, I, I like it. I, I like, uh, I mean, I could turn it down so low. That I can play in this room, you know, mm-hmm. and it would sound great. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I sound like a a stereo, and I get these old women. They come up to me, they go,
1: "He really is singing." Yeah, they're watching. They're watching your lips. <laughs> sometimes you have to. I've I've done that before. Like I'll sing, I'm singing like a Sinatra tune or whatever, and then I'll have somebody come up to me and say something. And I've learned on purpose to pause and say, "Hey, thank you," or or just stop, because sometimes they're, che- they're A lot of people are watching and checking. Is he lip? Is he lip singing? Because you study that music so uh-huh. much, and when you sing it over a thousand times, you start sounding like that. Exactly. And uh, exactly. and a lot of people are impressed by that. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And back to the volume level thing, a lot of people ask me my pet peeve. Actually, not a lot of people. My wife, she's like, "What's your pet peeve?" And my pet peeve is when somebody now, if they don't have a choice, like let's say we're at a restaurant, they don't have a choice, they have to sit there. I totally respect. I'm going to turn it down because they. My goal is to make sure that anybody close to me can talk if somebody's in the back and I have to turn low, way low to where they can't hear it that's okay as long as these people are not going to sit there and I'm blaring them out because nobody wants that but when it's like there's places to sit and they choose to sit in front of me like hey man can you turn down just a little bit to me I just want to be like why don't you go back to the the, you know the back side of the room and why why would you sit right in front of me and then say, "Hey, you know, can you turn down just a tab bit?" No, move. You know, <laughs> I no, always, but that you was can't the, do that. I know, you can't I'm like, "Oh, sure, no problem." Like, that's I'm saying what my brain cells are telling me in uh, that I moment.
0: Know. But like, you know, I have before turned uh, turned the music down low, turned the microphone off, and just sing without the microphone. Well, you, you have a,
1: I mean, I've I've heard you acapella, man. It's powerful. Do you have you ever did you ever read music or did you never learn to read? Music. It's amazing. That's amazing. Now,
0: what like, like when I go to church and I read the songbook, I can I can see the uh, uh, you know, the holdout, you know. So I read enough to, to get me in trouble, you know. <laughs> but as far as read music, no. I can tell you, it's all Chinese to me. Yeah. I just never understood it. Now, I've had several good friends of mine try to teach me, but I just, you know, I need to practice more. Uh, I used to be a pretty good guitar player, and then I started playing with those tracks, and some of the tracks had guitar on them, so i just play around with what's on there. You know? Yeah, you'd play like you would let the it's, rhythm do the thing. It's made me a better musician, but it, it's, it's made my guitar play it suffer.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you give, like what's, what are some words of encouragement or advice? There's a lot of young musicians. I don't know if you watched it. There was a guy named W.O.X. recently, a couple of days ago I saw it, and his name was Six String Andrew or something like that, young kid, 16 years old, and he was out there playing a the guitar, playing blues. Uh, I even thought of you. And I was like, "What would you tell them? Give them some advice, like, like or if, if, even if you look back at yourself back in the day, and you ha- and you had to tell yourself something. What would you? Some words of encouragement, some advice, just something to kind of for people to take with them."
0: I would say, get with some other people and learn while they're learning. Just get with some other people, learn what they know. Just pick up anything you can from somebody else and hmm. keep going. Just just get interested in it and do it. Uh, Now, there's so many mediums. You know, my grandbaby, she's eight. She was watching a YouTube thing where this young girl was teaching guitar lessons. So I get my Ed Sheeran Martin, which is a little tiny, you know, guitar, and I hand it to her, tune it up for her. And she's sitting there watching that, and they teach her three chords, G.C. and D. And she's going, G.C and I can't get over how easy it is for her to do that mm-hmm. I mean she's watching that girl intently and and she learns the chords so I made a mistake I said I'll tell you what I'll do I said if you'll learn a little more of that because she sings pretty good I said if you'll learn like you are my sunshine that's those three chords that you're playing i give you a hundred bucks if you'll learn that song She picked. she put it down she never picked it up again <laughs> Never picked it up again. Really?
1: Nope. Wow.
0: So I don't know if she was scared of it. She didn't want to do it. How old know. is she? She's, you said she's eight. She's eight. She just turned nine yesterday.
1: Well, it's her 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 hobbies and her you know things that she likes would be jumping around. But usually around, I know it happened for me around twelve or thirteen. Or twelve or thirteen, I disappeared. I, I locked myself away for about a year and I learned the guitar. And my, my dad always wanted me to learn the guitar, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to just sing, because I like to sing. And I took one of his guitars, 1976 Fender um, Acoustic. It was like his graduation present. I dented it up like a, a dummy. But I mean, I'm sitting there playing, it for about eight months to a year, I had that guitar with me everywhere. Everywhere I went, that guitar was with me. And then, and my dad listened, but I never was like confident to say, play anything. And finally I was like, hey, I want y'all to hear something. And I just started playing. And they were like, Wow, and it, it, that's sometimes what it takes is just you know diving into that instrument, and that's all you do, and you study. That's all it. you do. Because I went through, I went when I was younger, I went through a lot of bullying because I was a heavier set kid. I was short and I was heavy set, and so that you're was, fat. I yeah, was, was too, <laughs> <laughs> and so. I always tell the dad, I was like, but dad, am I I, I fat? He goes, no, you're just husky. Uh, I was fat. I was was, uh, was husky too. (laughs) I was husky squared.
0: Plus I had a southern accent, so Uh, that was even worse, (laughs) you know, a fat kid with a y'all, you know.
1: But that was kind of my escape, that and building model cars. But I mean, when I was playing the guitar, that was my escape and I really enjoyed learning that. And I wish I would have brought it with me like on my gigs, but once I started singing Sinatra, it was like, it's not and really. You can't. You can No,
0: you got to be a, a learned guitar to play Sinatra. Yeah, ja- it's like playing Christmas music. You got to be really good to play Christmas music. Yeah, Christmas music has so many chord changes. It's amazing. And uh, my friend George, he said, if you want to get really good at doing those playing guitar like that, just play Christmas songs. Yeah, it's amazing how many chord changes. <laughs> well, many, jazz.
1: I think it's jazz chords are. My dad told me that two of the hardest music plays bluegrass and jazz, and uh, I mean it, it seems true because I I've, I've never really I can't I I haven't even like attempted to dive into that realm. I like rock, I like country playing wise, um, and even blues because I feel like I can I if I spent enough time and studied I could do it, but jazz and it's just like a whole different world. It's a whole other world. Yeah,
0: it really is. I I could listen to it for about five minutes and then it goes off into left field for me. Mm-hmm. I like the melodies. I like the, I like the ballads. You mm-hmm. know, because that's what I sing. You know,
1: what's what's your favorite? If you, I always tell people you don't know me, but Ray Charles is my favorite song to sing to listen to. I just love it. And I'm going to throw that at you. Do you have a favorite song?
0: Yeah, uh, my favorite song is a Christmas song. Uh, Please come home for Christmas. There you go. I, I, <laughs> I do Santa Claus like at the uh, at the bow for the uh, employees party and uh some a lot of people there know that i sing so they come over and they say, would you sing a song for santa claus they had karaoke there so i got up and i sang please come on for christmas and of course it's something something like that i I try to nail it you know and i had everybody in the whole thing it's probably three or four hundred of them on their feet Boy, they're jumping that's down. awesome you know santa claus is singing
1: <laughs> i mean it's a cool thing because it you is. you add that element to where
0: well, that's why my daughter became a photographer. She wow. had a Santa Claus and a new baby. <laughs> now,
1: I know your daughter doesn't she sing?
0: Oh, she's amazing. She sings with me for weddings and special events. I well, met her. She's like very that. sweet, and she's so smooth. Her voice is so pure. You know, I sing. I sing all the time, and I say I get all these. You know, <laughs> and she comes out there and just just like lays it out there. They're so smooth. I really enjoy her singing, but. But she don't want to do it because I don't pay her enough. <laughs> 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 I'll pay her a hundred bucks. She wants to make two hundred, you know? <laughs> oh man, that's funny. <laughs> but uh she started taking pictures and now she's an avid photographer, uh, uh, Samantha Anderson photography.
1: Samantha Anderson photography. Remember uh, that folks? Yeah. And
0: she does. She takes I bought her some really nice cameras. And uh and she does, she does really good we do the uh the Gulf Coast Carnival she does Gulf Coast Carnival Association photos and uh yeah you know it's a, it's kind of a it's kind of a tough thing being Santa Claus because some people can't afford it some people can't afford it and i, I have a flat base that i charge you know for, mm-hmm. for that and uh and i hate it that that I, I want to you know it's so, it's it's how I make my living and now I've started in October doing beach photos. I wear a Hawaiian shirt and awesome. shorts. I've, I've sandals, seen it. I've seen it. And I've started doing beach photos. And I've got a couple of photographers now that are on the on the bandwagon. And so now I do October. And then November is the regular photographers. I have about ten photographers that book me the entire month of November. And then after November twenty fifth, after Thanksgiving. I go into full swing going to people's houses. And, of course, you see me. I go in and, uh, you know, I bring the gifts in in my bag and and show them, show them my reindeer. And we sing Rudolph and we sing Jingle Bells and sing Wish You a Merry Christmas and anything else anybody wants to sing. And then I tell them the night before Christmas from Santa Claus' point of view, which is kind of neat you
1: know oh you do a great job and i you, th- you throw jokes in there and things to where you make the, even the parents can have some humor into uh-huh. it it's good yep, you yep. do an amazing it, job
0: and it's really hard to go into a house and there's a eight-month-old that's the only kid in the house you know <laughs> and there's 14 <laughs> older people in there you know yeah. so i have to i have to entertain them now yeah so i have to change everything up you know mm-hmm. uh and uh it's uh when i when I was starting to do Santa, I would hire a Santa Claus to come to our house for my kids and they would come in and they would sit down and, uh, you know, you know, take some pictures. Yeah. Okay. I so said, you know, I kept waiting on them to do something. They would never, never do anything. So, you know, being an entertainer to start with, it, it's, it's fun to go in and just take over a house.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, just go in and take over.
1: You know, <laughs> It's I'm telling you, if you haven't, if you have never witnessed it, be sure to if you can if you get on the books hire or visit where you know the Gulf Coast Santa will be, because uh, it's it's a heck of an experience and I'm I'm grateful and you know what maybe next year when you go to I think my sister booked you uh-huh. already oh yeah maybe I will do like I'll actually capture it I'll film it professionally and make it look good to where you can have that with you because I mean you've probably done so many and I think people. We would really enjoy seeing that. And um, I don't know. I just think it's a cool thing. And I definitely, we, we have, I've been doing something. I didn't do it this year because my family wanted me to take a break. The past two years, I've done this at-home Christmas special. It started from COVID where nobody can get out, so you're at home. And I went through different places of the Gulf Coast, and I just filmed me and maybe some other people just singing songs we like. Very um, cool. And we would record it, and it's like a music video setting. And the second year it got bigger. We brought in a choir. We did more churches. It was really cool. So this next year we're wanting to do it. We're still planning it out, but I definitely want to hit you up on that to maybe do Very please cool. please come home for Christmas. Who originally sang that song? Who was it you wasn't know, the Eagles? I do the Eagles version. Yeah, yeah. I like the Eagles. I like Bon
0: Jovi's version.
1: Bon Jovi does that? Yeah. Oh, I gotta hear that.
0: It's, it's got the hammer drum, you know. I like that I like that heavy drum because it just seems more it seems more like a band, gotcha. you know. And I really liked the band, and I had I had a couple of good bands that 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 we played a lot, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was really cool. i ne- let, let me tell you a story. I was I used to take a protractor. I would start at Gulfport, and I'd spread that protractor out as far as it'd go, and I'd start over here, and I'd make a circle all the way back. To the ocean from the ocean to the ocean Mm -hmm. yeah and every military base that was in that circle i would book all the way around oh that's smart so i'm i'm back in biloxi i'm back in guffport because guffport's pretty much my home but i'm back in guffport and i'm down at the nco club one night me and tom are sitting there talking tom did now but uh i'm sitting there talking to tom and uh, i said Tom, you ain't got nothing for me. I can't do. He goes, No, I ain't got nothing till till next month. This is like, this is like, uh, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday night because they started on Wednesday, played played to Saturday. He said, No, I ain't got nothing. And we sitting there talking, and all of a sudden we hear this, bam, crash, bam, all this screaming and yelling. We looked up on stage, and Mick Kelly had slapped terry ryan on stage <laughs> they got into it <laughs> <laughs> the whole band was fighting they were rolling drums rolling drums across the floor and tom looked at me just as, just as serious as he could be he says well it looks like we got an opening tomorrow <laughs> night <laughs> oh that's <laughs> I funny i went there and played that next night <laughs> oh my Later lord the rest of the week Oh, it's funny that's good now, stuff. I don't want to tell names on nobody, but you know Terry's still around Terry's a great player, but you just you get some bands that pick up these people you know and mm-hmm. they just don't get along because one's playing too loud or mm-hmm. one you know one's doing something that the other one don't want him to do and
1: I mean i I, I always wanted a band because that's what I liked it's like when I, when my tracks would have an instrumental break I'd be like I can't be like, all right, take it away boys. Because there's no boys there. So it's, it. And so I always struggle with that. But my dad kind of told me through his days, like, you know, do you really want to book a gig for a five piece and that drummer or that piano player or somebody's like, oh, uh, I'm lost or I can't make it and it's five minutes till showtime. Like it's a lot of pressure. You're dealing with schedules, you're dealing with egos. And so yep. Um, he guided me in a, in a way of that I can make it more of like a business versus, you know, a passion. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about it, but more like it, a dream i guess you can say
0: one of the things one of the things that i learned over the period of years is uh everybody competes the guitar player wants to be louder than the bass mm-hmm. player the drummer wants to be louder than you know it's tough for the singer to be able to hear himself you know and to sing over all that by the end of the night you're done yeah you're done you're your when I went to Disney, they put me a country band, and it stopped right there. And I kept doing this all night, all singing out the side of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I kept. Saying. My wife said, "You got to quit doing that. You look terrible up there singing with that thing."
1: Wait, so wait, why 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 would you be singing out of your mouth? What was it?
0: Because I was used to this. I was uh, used to. I was
1: used to a microphone with a
0: with a windshield on it. You know.
1: Oh, so they they gave you one of these ear things?
0: Oh, they no, yeah, they went over my ear and stopped right there. Oh,
1: and I, I
0: kept thinking that I would get louder if I could sing into <laughs> it.
1: Okay. So it's like one of those like church pastor, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, microphones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: I told him I said I can't do this, I can't do it. And my wife keeps telling me I'm look look <laughs> distorted over because I'm singing outside of my mouth. And so he said, "I got something for you." He said, "They just they just designed and come out with a new microphone for Garth Brooks." He said, I'll I'll bring it tomorrow and said, You can try it, see if you like it. So he brought me a crown CM three eleven. Went over the ear, came around, came in front of my mouth, it had a little had a little windscreen, and it sat right there. And I fell in love with it. Really? When I left when I left down there, I begged him to sell me that microphone. He said, I can't sell it to you. So I immediately started buying them. And at that time, they were two ninety nine a piece and now they're 5.99 a piece. Wow. And I've got probably half a dozen of them and they're so delicate. I mean, if you just touch one wrong, it'll break. Mm. You can't drop it, you know. It was designed for Garth to climb up into the attic and you know do all that <laughs> crap that he did. You know, and uh and that's what I use and that microphone is from 20 to 20k. It is the finest microphone I've ever used in my life. It is so crisp and so clear. People said, you know, I can understand every word you say. Well, that's because it's right there. And if I get, and I had to learn to re sing all over. I was
1: about to say, because you can't, if it's right there, you can't be like, you can't go, oh, like, you know, it's, it's, it's right there. It's right
0: there. But now let me tell you what I do. If it's right there, I just kick my head up and put it down there and sing louder. And then I'll roll it back to what I'm singing lower. So I had to learn to sing all over again. But now, now when I sing, I sing, I sing forever. I never get hoarse. I still have a voice when I finish because I had to learn to sing all over again.
1: Is there anything else before we wrap up that you would like to people to know?
0: No, I, I, uh, I I've been married forty six years. I have three children, forty one, thirty eight, thirty six. And, uh, my son 36, he's got two children, eight and five, and they live in North Liberty, Iowa. Oh, wow. I just, I got to see them Thanksgiving. I was really excited. My middle daughter, she doesn't have any children, not married. She don't want to be. And my oldest daughter, she has my two grandbabies and they live right around the corner. So we take care of the three year old, almost three, she She'll be three in June. Wow. We take care of her. And we the eight year old gets off the bus at our house every day, and they stay with us until mom and or daddy comes and gets them in the afternoon.
1: Let me ask you this, because this is my way of I'm mean, starting to think this way, but I want you I want to hear it from you. So you did the star search, you did the you know
0: you could be a star,
1: be you could be a star, at Disney, Pitch and Forge, all that stuff. You were you are you you're going for that dream. You know you know that you sing, you love music, you're going for that dream. But
0: actually, what I was doing was chasing that work.
1: You were chasing the work. Okay,
0: that's all it was. It was work. It wasn't a dream. Gotcha. Because I'd had my dream. I'd had my
1: children. See, that's what I was getting to. I was getting to the point of, as when I was younger, starting this man. I was American Idol. I was. I was chasing it, and then got married, had kids, and I realized, man, I get, and especially down here, because of where the way it's set up and it's very it's slower pace. It's not big city. I mean, I felt like I made it. Like I almost like to where when you're, when you're trying to make it, and I've had a lot of people want you go to Vegas, Why don't you go to this stuff. In my opinion, it's like that would not be a better life uh-huh. at all versus what we have down here. Exactly. And so I've been, I've, I've trained, I'm now I'm trying to think of the way of like, I have made it. I am living that dream of being able to sing and then go home to my wife and my babies the same night and I'm not on tour and all that stuff. And so it's, it's a really good way. It's a healthy way of thinking too. Um, because I'll meet some people and they, you know, resent the choices they've made because they could have, you know, lived this life. And I'm just like, where where you're at, especially especially down here. Cause it's a virtual elevator. It is. You yeah. get
0: on this elevator, you're going to go one way, you get on this elevator, exactly. you're going to go another. I know what you're saying, but uh, but I'll never forget. We were living in my bus at Pigeon Forge, and Samantha was two. And she'd been playing with the kids outside. she come in, she said, Daddy, what are we going to get a house? And I thought about that, thought about that, thought about that, I mean, it just bothered me, you know that she would think that she would ask me that, so when we came back to Bloxi, I sold that bus and bought that house that I lived in there on the beach, yeah, wow, yeah, sure did and uh it uh i' it's the best thing I ever did
1: kids will change you kids will kids will change you for the for the better they did. they'll test you
0: and I was so excited about my first I was twenty eight I was so excited about my First baby, I just wanted that baby so bad, and I did everything I could do for that child and then the second one came along and and they were it, it wasn't quite as exciting as the first one was, yeah, but you know uh i i i really uh I really love my baby so much, and they taught me they taught me about children, and then they had their children, and the grandchildren taught me. More about children. <laughs> you know, you find me a lot of times, I go to somebody's house, I say, come see Paul." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love children, and I love the fact that they're so innocent. Children are so innocent. It's moms and dads that corrupt the children. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily society, but that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. But over the period of years, I've seen that moms and dads just really don't want to be bothered Mm -hmm. with it. You know, let them do what they want to do. You know, as long as they're not destroying nothing, let them go. You know, Uh, it hurt. It hurts me to go into a house and you got five kids, and four of them are on iPads, and they're not paying any attention to anything I'm saying. Yeah, I see that a lot.
1: It, uh, I'll see it at gigs too, where, you know, there'll be, you know, family of four or five and all kids have pads. And I'm not gonna lie. We've, we've, we have my wife, my daughter has a pad, but we try to make sure that, and Stephanie and I, we've started doing this. When we get home from work, we put our phones on the charger for two hours and we stay away from it. And I actually have conversations with my daughter and I'll learn things. I'm like, wow, she knows this. She knows that. Like she's, all she needs is just that one-on-one attention. And you'll learn something, and she'll pick up something from you, and she's learning. So it's,
0: you know, Silicon Valley—they won't let their children, yeah, have iPads for cell phones. They won't let them do any of that. Isn't that crazy? It, it, there's a reason for that, exactly. Uh, you know, it's it's really a shame. Uh, we're uh, there's a lot of things going on. That thing with the EU. Oh man, we're in for a, a big mess.
1: What's going on with EU?
0: They're voting on the cities of tomorrow, what their, their plans are, you know, Bill Gates has bought. Oh yeah. Farmland, 400,000 acres of land. And then what they're going to do is they're going to put everybody on rations. You are only going to be able to have so much of this, so much of that. I mean, it's coming, it's mm. coming. They've gotten their foot in the door and you know, my daughter, she's the worst. Oh Dad! I don't believe that you're just you're just paranoid, you know you know i I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna see it yeah you know but but my grandchildren will and uh people better wake
1: up <laughs> i agree, I agree completely I feel like we're we're so distracted with all the things in our lives that you know there's, there are certain things that are happening that we
0: and you walk into a restaurant now and everybody in the restaurant's on their phone, mhm. They they don't know what's going on around
1: them. It's become a uh, it's zombified us, I guess you could say. Eddie, is there anything else you want to add?
0: No, sir. Thank you for having me today. Thank you
1: for having for coming, and uh, we're at the sixteen hundred studios inside of the Mary C Building, in Ocean Springs. Hey, everybody, I'm Jesse Hill,
0: and I'm Eddie McDaniel,
1: and thank you, Eddie, for coming. And uh, stay tuned for next week.
0: Thank you, Jesse. I'll
1: take care.